Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local artists. Oh, hello, it's me, Jordy Delight. <laughs> you know what I never talk like that but there's a reason I have and you're all going to know very shortly why because the next guest I've got on is honestly such a ray of sunshine in the drag community I feel um I've been really impressed by all the work she's done in drag but also I really loved getting to know her out of drag and speaking to her about you know her own sort of struggles during uh, during the pandemic and just getting to know something at drag. You know what it's like if you're working in the drag community or even in the arts, actually, that we often, like I've mentioned with the Rob Madge episode, sort of on social media, everything's fine, but behind the scenes, things aren't very great. So it was really great to get to finally meet this person, albeit on the internet, uh, via bloody Zoom call, which we're so used to by now, but it's a bit jarring, I guess, isn't it, that we're now used to this and it doesn't feel different I mean I think I am the kind of person that I just think it's weird when this is an alien but here we are I guess our bodies are sort of self-soothing and coping the best they can now that brings me nicely into my next point it's been such a pleasure to get to know this guest and I honestly really enjoyed this interview just because it was lovely and quite inspiring particularly the mentions of sort of working TED talk events because TED talks are something I've been so obsessed with for years but particularly during the pandemic, there was points when I was really not mentally well and I had to watch about two TED Talks in the morning and one in the evening to get me through. Without those inspiring words, I just wouldn't have coped. So let's get off of my baggage and let's get on to something a bit more fiery and energised. And it is, of course, a leader and an activist in their own right. The amazing and incredible Lady... Rampant. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Light. Oh, I've got drag royalty, I guess, in the house. I am so excited to present this guest. Um, we've got another podcaster, as well as an all-round starlet and creative vagabond. It is the amazing Lady Rampant. Oh, thank you so much, darling, for that warm introduction. That is so kind of you. You can't see right now, but I'm blushing. <laughs> You are blushing. It's so lovely because you're just so, I guess regal is an odd word to describe you, but you've got such a lovely presence about you when you're in drag, I feel. Um, particularly when I've seen you do sort of like um, talks. I've, there's once I saw you do this discussion about Nicola Sturgeon and the Scottish stuff, and I just thought it was really funny because you've got such a lovely voice you do in drag. Oh, yeah. My voice does change in drag. You know, that's not something I ever intended to happen, but it just kind of goes higher. Like, the minute the wig goes on, like, Lady Rampant's in the room. You, you can, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, she is higher. I think that's brilliant. I honestly love that. And I remember the first time I'd seen you, actually, which is probably bad on my part, and the first time I'd ever actually seen anything that you'd been doing was when you'd done the tracks. I think it was the tracks ball. And you'd came on in this, like, sort of, um... Yeah. Projects outfit. And I was like, who is that? They're incredible. Like, I'm here for this. Um, oh. And saw your votes for women performance online for, I think, HIV Scotland, which was 
absolutely amazing. And I was like, oh my God, yes. And <laughs> I'm kind of, in a weird way, we got kind of connected through the pandemic, which I think is lovely. Yes, we did. I um, ran into you at any shows or anything just because of time and what I'd been doing with my schedule. So yeah, it's great to have you on. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. And you know, that's actually something to look forward to because we will have the chance to like actually meet in person after the pandemic and stuff like that. Like, that's going to happen this year, definitely. We need to make it happen. <laughs> totally. So if you don't mind, you know, for my listeners who maybe aren't familiar with drag or just aren't familiar with you, would you mind introducing yourself for me? Absolutely, of course. My name is Lady Rampant. My pronouns in drag are she, her and hers. I am Scottish, I'm from Ayrshire, but I am mainly based in Glasgow now. Um, not always Glasgow, but uh, mainly based in Glasgow now. And I self-describe myself as a political queen. Uh, I like to get involved in politics. I like to get involved in law, current affairs. That's my gig. Um, yeah, she's a political queen. And you're involved, I know you might not want to talk too much about that, but you're involved in that as well out of drag, aren't you? I am, yes. Oh my God, of course, let's talk about that too. Like, um, I studied law out of drag before I was even considering that I was going to do drag. In 2014, I went to Glasgow University um, and did an undergrad in Scots law. And then I did a master's in international and European law at the University of Amsterdam. And it wasn't until I went to Amsterdam in 2018 that I actually started drag. So I've been doing law and politics and current affairs long before I've been doing drag. It just fortunate now that I get to combine them the two of them that's absolutely amazing so let's go straight into interviews so you know what was your life like growing up and sort of studying at high school and university before you then actually fell into drag because it seems to be such a nice natural progression for you to fall into drag this way and we'll touch on that in a minute but you know what um was it like growing up in Ayrshire and sort of um going to school and and being part of the queer community and realizing who you were at an older age if you wouldn't mind sharing yeah of course um, I would say that my high school experience um, was progressively better. It didn't start out very good. Um, I went to like a really nice primary school. Uh, was very upbeat, was very confident. And then when I went to high school, um, I was bullied a little bit, unfortunately, just for being different. Uh, people asking me if I was gay before I even knew what the word gay meant. Um, and the first, I would say, first to third year in high school were quite difficult. Um, and I sort of went into shell a little bit. And then the later years in high school, I can back out my shell when I realised, okay, I am gay and I kind of accepted it for myself. Um, and things kind of got better after that for me um, in terms of like my confidence. After that, when I sort of left and went to university, it was like, oh my God, I can go out in Glasgow now. Like there's queer clubs, queer bars. I can go and meet new people and, and, and like-minded people. Uh, fortunately, I had some queer friends in high school, so who I'm still best friends with. They're my support network. But um, yeah, I would say high school was a little bit rough, but it got better when I left. And I think that's the same for a lot of queer people. Mm -hmm. um, they do sort of find a bit of a community outside of high school. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, so I went to high school, went to university in Glasgow. I'm from Ayrshire, so I'm not actually from Glasgow. I'm one of the Ayrshire queens. <laughs> I think there's a few of us kicking about, actually. I'm one of them. Uh, but don't worry, I jump on the bus up to Glasgow because there's <laughs> it's much more exciting up there. And, um, yeah, I had a, a great time at university in Scotland. Loved it. Um, wasn't doing drag at this point, of course. I was just... I was actually going to drag shows. I was in the audience a lot of the times that stuck on a Wednesday um in Delmonica's before going out and I think that was probably where I first became aware of drag 
uh, was being an audience member. Um, but it didn't click to me at that point. That's when I was going to do drag or that I even wanted to do drag. It was just, I'm seeing drag artists and they're amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, graduated from Glasgow Uni, went to the University of Amsterdam and that's where I did my master's. But I kind of decided before going to Amsterdam that I, um, that I was going to start drag, if you, if you know what I mean. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even make the decision to start drag. It was a more gradual thing that just sort of progressed. Um, and my family and friends would say, okay, so when are you going to start drag? You know, you would be really good in drag um, because I, was, I like to be really creative. And I, it took me, I put it off for a while. And then moving to Amsterdam was like, right, this is when I'm going to do it. This is my moment. I'm just going to go out and do it. And if nobody, nobody knows me here, it's fine. If I look like shit, it's okay. But we're going to aim for the stars. We're going to go high, go hard or go home. And uh, it really took off for me there, um, which was really, really nice. And of course, after my degree, I moved back to Glasgow, where I currently am, in my bedroom, locked down during the Paddy D. <laughs> so that's my life in a nutshell so far. <laughs> I love that. So for like me listening to that, that go hard, go home is such a Scottish thing, by the way. We all Oh my God, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Nightlife, theatre, drag, anything, go hard or go home is such a, a mentality to be in. Um, it's so interesting hearing kind of you talk about high school because I obviously went through such a similar thing as well, you know, yeah. getting told, getting asked if I was gay before I even knew actually genuinely what gay meant. You know, I was in such oh a naivety gosh, yeah. of gay means happy. Like that, because we, I grew up in such a liberal household that like, you know, we used to listen to Judy songs. Ironically enough, actually, Judy Garland songs. Um, but sort of that gay phrase was genuinely intended to be happy so when I went to high school and people were questioning me I was a bit like I don't even know what you're talking about in first yeah. year went into my shell as well but then we got to fifth and sixth year and it is that kind of cliched thing that I love I still think it's a great cliche that you know often celebrities have came as allies and members of the queer community and said it gets better but then it gets better yeah. oh, it's like it genuinely does get better and we're in such I think especially with it's the sin coming out when it has during the pandemic. I think we're in such a better position now than we probably would have been. But I just think we always remind ourselves, you know, there's still work to happen and there's still opportunity to better ourselves. And, you know, that's happened, especially this week with the Scottish National Party and yeah. sort of the unfortunate sacking of Joanna Cherry, although in a way that has been a good thing, in my opinion, because we don't condone transphobia in any political party, you know, Tory, SNP, Green, we don't, we shouldn't endorse these things anymore. So I think you're totally right that in high school settings, definitely it's, it's such a journey now compared to what it would have been. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's so interesting to hear that you kind of, you knew you were going to drag. It was a case of, well, when am I going to do this? You, I, I've yeah. Got, <laughs> a lot of people telling you that because I used to have a lot of friends when I was in sixth year and we were doing drama and we were doing Midsummer, eh, no, we were doing Romeo and Juliet. And they wanted me to do that Mercutio sort of drag from um, the Baz Luhrmann movie. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I don't know if I really want to do drag. I don't <laughs> for me, because I was so like, oh, I don't really get drag queens. And you know, look what's happened. There's <laughs> on, I'm like, what have I done with my life? But, uh, but it's really exciting things. And yeah. hearing this Amsterdam stuff, it's so interesting because you obviously went into an ME, but apart from drag, you know, what made you get into like the sort of political law stuff? What, what, was, what was your passion for that, if you don't mind me asking? Of course, yeah. I think mostly for me, it was just being surrounded by it. Um, I think if I was, for instance, a makeup guru and I was surrounded with like, um, 
like makeup lessons every day or if I was in musical theatre and I was listening to these songs, um, then that would probably influence my drag as well. Um, and I say this all the time, and it's very true that a lot of uh, drag artists have a background in maybe makeup or theatre or musical theatre or something else, um, and they sort of bring that to drag. I think that an example right now that we can take is uh, Denali from RuPaul's Drag Race, who's a figure skater for years and combines that with drag. So no matter what your background is, I think people often sometimes end up sort of bringing that to drag a little bit. And for me, that was just law and politics. Like, it was what I could really bring to the table. Of course, it's not what I do all the time. Like, it's quite hard to every single thing you do be law and politics. Um, but it's what I enjoy doing the most. And it was just quite natural for me to, like, say, right, maybe I'm not the best dancer in the world. Maybe my makeup could be a wee bit better and stuff. But you know what? I'm going to do what I know. And for me, that was just making... It was finding my feet in drag with, like, my mixes and, like, political performances and stuff. I was enjoying them much more than when I was trying to do a really upbeat dancing number. Mm. Um, and, and, and I was a better performer when I was doing political stuff as opposed to trying to do... I never ever did try to do a split and a death drop, thank God, because I probably wouldn't have <laughs> my working legs if I did. But for me, it was just more, right, I enjoy doing this, and drag is genuinely meant to be fun. So I'm going to do what I like most and what I find fun. And for me, that's the sort of political stuff, the current affairs, and maybe turning some of that on its head sometimes. Like, it can be quite grim, you know yourself, like logging on to Twitter, logging on to the news, um, and seeing all of the grim, horrible things that are happening. Bringing that to drag a little bit can be a little bit more entertaining. It can be light-hearted, especially when I was performing live. Um, bringing a very serious situation to drag and making people laugh about it. Like, we're seeing it on the news, but it doesn't mean that we can't laugh about it. And it makes people feel less alone, I think. Um, and it's just something that I've stuck with ever since. I totally get that. I think I'd seen on your Instagram a while back, on your story, you'd put a memories and it was you doing... I think Delmonica's and doing Cherry Godley taking the mick out of the Tories, but in a way not taking <laughs> She was talking actually about kind of what is going on right now in the year. Yes, literally. And I thought that was really interesting because I feel like that for me, very similar, but also different for me that I as a drag artist like to advocate sort of um, physical health and mental health stuff in my work. And I feel like you're doing such a similar thing, but with politics, which is really important in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's such a clever way to doing that that I really kind of valued when I saw the HIV performance in Fair HIV Scotland. I mean, that's so interesting seeing you do this sort of stuff with Votes for Women because a lot of people, I remember when I was at school, it was higher drama, the girls wanted to do suffragettes. And I was like, I don't even know what that is because I didn't do history at school, I didn't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And when I watched their piece, I was like, this is really informative. And I had no idea. So I went away home, Googled like um, Emily Pankhurst. So seeing you do something so similar, and I also love that movie, The Suffragettes, with um, Meryl Streep playing sort of the main um, pioneer behind it all. I just think it was really important. And these are things that I feel drag can actually do to educate audiences, because there's nothing wrong, obviously. I love queens that can do splits, death drops, mm -hmm. all these kind of um, fun stunts. I wish I could do it. I can't. Eh? Like, oh, my God, me too. <laughs> I wish I could do that as well. Like, I love seeing that. I think that's so entertaining watching that. I love watching that as an audience member. I just know that I can do that. And it's probably better for everybody involved that I don't even try. So <laughs> It's like play to your strength. I mean, you're strong. And then that's what really um, is conveyed. Um, you know, so before kind of the pandemic took off, like what had you kind of been doing in drag um, before Miss Rona hit in March 2020? 
Oh, well, I think for me, I, I had it long moved back to Glasgow, actually. Um, I think I was back in Glasgow maybe for six months or a little bit longer than that. Um, six to eight months I had been back. So I was just sort of working my way around the venues, um, sort of like in Scotland, so like Delmonica's. Um, I had did a Queen night when it was here, Church in Dundee, the Rabbit Hole in Edinburgh, Tracks Ball, uh, and Tracks as well, the, for the, the night on a Monday. Um, I'd been working my way around the venues, just sort of like meeting drag artists as well that I knew were from Scotland. I follow on social media, but I've never had a chance to meet people. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really good to meet all of these people that I've been following and have been following me um, because I was freshly new to the, the Scottish scene. Um, doing that and of course just starting to get a little bit involved as well with like some third sector organisations. Um, I think in January last year I had hosted a TEDx talk at the University of Glasgow and that was um, that was actually my first time hosting an event on my own. Like I've co-hosted events and stuff before in Amsterdam but that was my first time like okay I need to host this whole thing myself and I've never really done that before so kind of a big one to fuck up so I need to like make sure I get this down. Um, doing stuff like that um, and yeah, just sort of like trying to settle into the Scottish scene, trying to uh, find my niche, find like what I enjoy doing here. Um, and then that's probably, I think, when the pandemic hit was like, okay, well, everything's going to be online now. So I need to sort of learn to film myself and I need to learn to speak to a camera properly. And, and not that I needed to do that, but I wanted to do that because like, I had not much else to do apart from work because um, I was working from home as well. So, yeah, I would say before the pandemic, working my way around the place, um, and now, and hopefully, hopefully I get to do that again once the pandemic is over. I hopefully yeah. can get back out and meet people, meet audience members, and have that social vibe of drag. I miss it so much. Totally. That's oh, it's so interesting hearing that. I didn't realise that you were kind of, um, when you'd been back, you know, you'd been back for six months, so that's brilliant. And with the sort of um, digital drag aspects, you know, have you found... How have you found, because I've talked to a lot of drag artists on the podcast and artists in general about doing digital content now, because mm -hmm. as someone that does drag, but also I'm an artist out of drag, you know, digital content is now becoming a thing on call-outs. When I was going for call-outs for artist jobs six months ago, it was to do this. I remember I once applied for a thing down in London that I wanted to try and do. I was a bit ambitious because it was going to be... <laughs> A live performance and I was like oh I want to do this I could do this big whole live show and I didn't get it but then three months in they'd cancel the event because they couldn't even put the event on yeah and my mentor said to me who works in fear whose producer said you know like everything you're applying for now this was December onwards who that you actually can do digital content because they're going to be looking for that and a lot of artists oh. can't actually do that yeah. and it'll kind of put you in the front runner to get stuff so how have you found doing the digital content, you know, online performances and editing and just the whole shebang? Mm -hmm. um, I would say at first I was not scared, that's not the right word, but apprehensive because it was like, oh my God, I'm going to be just like, I've worked with like camera crews and stuff before when they're filming me and I just do my thing and it's like, they, that's in the background. But now it's like, I need to see the angles. I need to know, like the camera needs to be on me. I need to be looking at the camera. I need to be focusing. Um, so it was a little bit terrifying to begin with. And I had like no idea how to video edit at all. I'd never done that in my life. Totally not my thing. But for me, it was, this is so cliche, but it was like, right, this is a chance to develop my skills. Like I'm going to learn to do this because I want to produce new content. This is how I'm going to keep doing drag right now. And drag such a source of happiness for me. Like I yeah. absolutely love it. So I want to do it 
to the best of my ability all the time. And if this is what I'm going to have to do right now, I'm going to do it. So I literally just sort of like I invested in like a green screen and some professional lighting and stuff like that, um, which I am very privileged to have been able to do that because I've been working from home. So I've still been able to keep my boy job. Um, so I was able to do that. But I feel for a lot of artists who have lost their jobs, unfortunately, who can't just log on and, and buy some equipment and stuff like that. It's mm -hmm. um, it's a shame. But anyway, I, I invested in some equipment. I watched loads of YouTube tutorials um, and just sort of went along as I could. I think the Suffragette performance was probably like one of my first ones that I had done. When, I mean, it wasn't rough. It was fine, but it was just like none of this uh, snazzy green screen stuff. None of that. Like I, I didn't have my lighting at that point, so I was using the the light from my bedroom window, and the sun was starting to set. So I was like, I need to fucking hurry up and get this yeah. done. Um, <laughs> and I think at one point there was like a car went by. So yeah, I just kind of adapted as I went along. Um, and I think my the most sort of not even the most ambitious, but the one that involved the most editing was actually your show that I was involved in, the House of Liability show recently where I decided to do, it was your villains edition, and I decided to do the Cruella mix. Um, and that was really fun, just playing, I, I had some skills down, and I thought, right, I, I have this vision, so let's try and see if we can do it. And it worked, I was quite happy with it. Um, so yeah, for me, I've actually enjoyed it, uh, because now, like, and now I can say I can video edit, I can film myself, I can work mm -hmm. on the green screen, I can speak to the camera, I can do all of these things that I couldn't do at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty positive about it. I, I don't mind, I'm quite happy with, with what yeah. I've done. Because for me, I've been the same that, you know, I was speaking to a lot of people. My thing has been that it's been such a rewarding experience on one hand to be able to yeah. be able to edit, to be able to green screen. I just dropped me singing a cover of a song last night that I went on YouTube and was like, I want to find a foggy weather background for the green screen. Found it. Yeah. Worked so well. And I thought, oh my God, this takes the song that I'm singing from sort of quite dismal, quite great to actually, oh my God, this is really beautiful to watch. And yeah. I thought... I never would have even back in March 2020 have considered this. And mm -hmm. I was like you, that when I'd done my documentary at BBC, you know, I was very easy to sit in a room and go, yeah, film me, tell me what to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had to go, right, put your camera on, go and walk, do it, then go and check that it's the right angle <laughs> because doing a lot of this uh -huh. is just so difficult. Um, and I'm mentoring, we've got a new, bless them, we've got a new resident of the House of Liability who contacted me after the last show, the villain show. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were like, I want to do drag. Can you give me advice? And I was like, all right. They were like, can you be my drag mother? And I went, oh, Christ, I'm getting old now and I'm getting... <laughs> There's more coming. Because <laughs> the other ones had sort of, you know, said they wanted to drag and I said I'd help them and I kind of took on that mother role, whereas this is actually someone going, can you be my drag mother? And I'm like, oh, God. And I was like, yeah, of course, because I saw talent because they sent me a video of them doing a performance. I went, yeah. And it was like what you said that they were like, I want to do a green screen, I want to do this. And I went, well waiting now you can't do everything in one day like this is nearly 10 months of me doing this and I've only just started using a green screen properly so mm. I'd kind of spoke to them about they were like told me getting good light in and I was like well actually if you did it during the day in front of your windows the lights would come in but be mindful if you start filming at three and then come five it's pitch black that'll interfere <laughs> yeah yeah and it was so interesting sort of explaining all that because it's funny because me 10 months ago I would not have had a clue so it's been on one hand a rewarding experience but I think you know, I think the difficulty with this is we've actually been really lucky. The House Liability has been able to pay people about a good amount of money because we've got people that happily tip. But yeah. some shows, that people are fe feeling really flat from it because they're not 
it's it's about the art at the end of the day. A lot of people are feeling the money side of things isn't great. And I think mm-hmm. when you accumulate the editing time on top of the filming, the hours you're doing, it is... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It can be very um, flattening. But I, I, I'm glad I'm like you. I feel like I've got a whole set of skills. And now, thankfully, for me doing Digital Dragons, constructing stuff, I finished my Emmy by doing a whole movie that... Congratulations. I, yeah, and a direct... <laughs> applause. <laughs> Congrats. And, a director from the National Theatre of Scotland had watched it and was like, oh, who filmed that? And I was like, me, oh, like, <laughs> oh my God, that standard. And I went, what? Like, do you think? But that's it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's good to now have those skills to manage to um, continue them on. It's so interesting. So you mentioned this, that you hosted like a TED Talk event. Were you just like um, bringing on activists to speak or were you actually giving one yourself? So the idea was that it was not suitable for work. The TEDx wanted to discuss things at a TEDx talk that they normally wouldn't. Um, and they had different speakers as well. One of them, I mean, it wasn't too out there, to be honest. It was just like, it was a little bit more of empowering and just like, think outside the box. Um, there was someone talking, there was a, a recruiter there who was looking for things, or someone there who was talking about like CVs and how to like improve mm-hmm. like your employability in ways that you wouldn't expect. So basically mm-hmm. like absolutely everything and anything. Um, so the idea of it was like, I sort of introduced that I gave like a speech about me and my journey, quite similar to the one um, that we spoke about just at the beginning of the episode, but obviously in a lot more depth because um, I was a graduate of the University of Glasgow. So I think they contacted me because mm-hmm. of my journey after uni as opposed to what I was doing when I was a student <laughs> um, so I kind of gave my talk as well and about me and what I had done and just basically kind of a little bit of an, an empowerment moment just like go and do whatever you want do what makes you happy like look at me I'm standing here in a wig heels and sequined suit and I have never been happier in my life um, and then obviously we had the speakers and stuff and we closed it and it was a really nice event um, I was actually the only drag artist there and that was as the host um, everyone else was out of drag but no it was really lovely and I've actually worked with TEDx during the, the pandemic on some digital stuff as well uh, with other drag artists and uh, with me myself during Pride um, last year, Pride month last June so yeah it's, it's just kind of like one of these things that um, it's nice to work with another organisation you have a professional connection with them and you can work with them in future which I hope I get to do it again because it was a lot of fun <laughs> that's lovely that's I love TED Talks I watch TED Talks like I think I watch one every week if not there was one point that when I was just so down and out I was watching like one a day to motivate me every morning when I woke up and it would go right that's made me feel good I can keep my day now because of that um so I totally love that you've worked with them I think that's really encouraging and I've had two friends that have also gave TED Talks um who have all ended up didn't know my friend Mandy had done a TED Talk until I found it and I was like, oh. <laughs> Stumbled across it. Yeah, and I messaged her like, Mandy, you've done one on resilience. I've just watched it. You're like inspiring. And she was like, oh, I get really awkward about that. And I was like, oh no, like own it, embrace it. I love like, it. You've inspired me today. Um, so here's one, right, that I want to ask. It's not like part of, you know, my wee question list. But the name, because I'm often encouraged and, and sort of intrigued by drag names. A lot of drag artists I know, though, have told me their names just through personal conversation. But I've never had the chance to speak to you. So what's what is like sort of what gave you um, the drag name Lady Rampant? About? <laughs> well, do you know what? Right, since we're having a chat, since we're having a kiki, I'll give you the the real tea. I've actually never really properly said this before, right? So like in maybe two thousand 
16, <clears throat> my friends and I were having a conversation about me starting drag. This is two years before I started, by the way. This is like what I mean, it was a gradual thing. Right. And I, I had done like a project on lions and stuff. And I was saying, do you know what? I would love to be like something like, not even lady rampant at this point, something rampant or something to do with the Scottish flag. Like I really want to be inspired by the Scottish flag. And um, but, and then I said, oh, like, what about Lady Rampant? And one of my friends was like, oh, no, you need something funny. Or you need, and we were quite tipsy at this point. And they said, well, why don't you do Lasagna Rampant, right? And they said that because we had been having a conversation, like, it's bizarre, right? We were going out, we were going to night out, um, and we'd had lasagna for dinner. And we were like, having a joke, like, oh, none of us are bottoming the night. I'm not going to be bottoming tonight um, because of, like, the lasagna and stuff. So we were like, oh... Um, what about that? I was like, absolutely not. I want to be like a lady in drag. I want to be like polished. I want to be like prim, proper, put together. Um, and then I was like, do you know what? Maybe lady rampant because that's a pun on the line rampant. And that's how, like the LR was bouncing. And that's how lady rampant came about through a bottoming story, <laughs> which I've never told anyone before because lady rampant's so like elegant in class. And then you've got lasagna and bottoming. <laughs> it doesn't go. <laughs> Uh, but I knew Lady Ram secret <laughs> dirty. Like, I knew she was a secret dirty. I was like, oh, I there's yeah. all... all <laughs> my thing, like, I had to describe the social video I'm dropping next week, you know, what my drag was and who I was. And yeah. I was like, oh, I'm basically, like, Angel Delight on an Aldi budget. Like, that's me, like, cute. <laughs> I'm, like, the real housewife of Leaf. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, all regal, but in Leaf and the scheme. Like, that's just it. So I love that... Um, and I think stories like that are so important because I'd spoke to someone yesterday for their event they do on Instagram and they were like, the name Jordy Delight, can you tell me? And I was like, right, do you want to know why my name is Jordy Delight? She's like, yeah, I went, I was Dita Lolita and nobody could say it. And she went, Dita Lolita. <laughs> and would go, Dita, what's the last name? Like on the microphone, I'd be like, oh my God. Oh, this is so embarrassing. And I went, and what I did was I was DJing for the street and doing a 90s night every Tuesday night. And I was like, I don't want to call Jordan, like a DJ, and I need a name. And she was like, I'm trying to end him. He got really drunk. Very professional. Um, <laughs> she was like, have you had a nickname growing up? I went, I used to get called Jordy because I used to wear like a Jordy, like Newcastle strip. And she went, that's great, but we need a last name. And I was like, oh, I don't know. She's like, well, what's your favourite song? I was like, oh, Groove's in the Heart of Delight. It's like an absolute anthem. Mm -hmm. She's like, Jordy Delight, I see it in lights. And I went, ah, yes. That's quite a good catch for it. Like, sort of name, catch name. And I was like, all right. And then I thought, I'll spell it like the, the band. And I went, no, spell it with two E's, like Angel Delight. That's cute. Mm -hmm. And that was how it actually happened. But I'm telling this um, person this and they're like oh my god like genuinely actually quite surprised like because I was like what did you think when it was like a pun they're like no it's just interesting here in the sort of background and I thought yeah I was interviewing you I thought I need to ask actually just what <laughs> <laughs> yeah so mine's isn't as nice as that mine's was to do with lasagna and bottoming but luckily we did not go for lasagna rampant in the end we went for lady rampant which I much prefer because it's a pun on the line rampant. It's four letters. Yeah. Um, and that's where my red hair comes from as well. Obviously, like, I always wear red hair and different um, different styles, but uh, it's always red, and there is, like, an orange and kind of yellow wig that I wear at times, but red hair is my thing. And it's because the, the lion's mane is red and, yeah. and the flag. Um, that was the very first look that was kind of inspired by the flag, and then the red hair just kind of stuck and now it's my staple. Like when I did the Cruella mix and stuff, I had the red and uh, 
oh sorry the black and white wig on and it was fine like styled that myself and stuff but I was like it's not red hair it's not quite lady rampant is it <laughs> yeah but you were doing a character do you know what I mean you were doing Creole Deville and by the way we need to just give a shout out when you did that <laughs> Like, we've, all the residents want you to come back in, like, a few months. So I was like, we'll definitely book you again because oh, the amount of effort you'd made for that mix and that promise was absolutely brilliant and so professional and sleek. But I, I'd obviously watched it because you sent me it before I'd put the show. <laughs> Yeah. I was pure, like, sitting, like, right, I want to watch this. Love Creole Deville. Love Glenn Close's Creole Deville. Let's get into this. And when Shut Up and Drive it came on in the car, <laughs> absolutely howled. Because this is what I thought. I was like... Oh, you're probably maybe going to do, not being presumptuous, but I thought, you know, fashion, Gaga, or fashionista, Jimmy James. So I'm going to do a fashion, because she's a fashion yeah. um, kind of um, designer. But when you were, like, getting raging, left Anita's house in a pure rager, which is one of my favourite scenes. Yeah. You went in the car and did that. I went, that is what I wanted, something unexpected. <laughs> which is so... Yeah. I remember seeing, because obviously I watched the stream, but I can't technically watch the whole thing, because I'm streaming it and hosting yeah. Watch the comments just going through the roof for the fucking like shut up and drive back. So it yeah, was, um, it was nice to see you do something like that because I've never seen you do like a character type performance. But that was the beauty yeah. of the villain shows; we could do stuff that wasn't us. Of course, yeah, and that's drag. That's fun. That's like doing whatever you want, doing anything you want, um, turning it on its head, like Cruella Deville and shut up and drive. Like do whatever you want. That's the beauty of drag. Totally. It was so great. So you host, obviously, your own podcast, uh, which I mentioned at the beginning. So could you kind of discuss um, and tell us about The Rampant Rundown? Of course, yeah. So The Rampant Rundown was actually born out of the TEDx stuff. Um, and it was some people that I had worked with during TEDx who had said, like, um, I was thinking of starting a podcast and then they had asked me, would you like to collaborate on a podcast? And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea um, because I'll be... I'll be the host and stuff, but I, at this point, I didn't really know the tech side of things, um, which, again, I've learned how to do that now, fortunately, but I didn't in the beginning. Um, we were kind of halfway through the pandemic at this point. Mm. Um, and I was like, right, okay, yes, this is a good idea, um, but I want to do something that's very me. Um, so uh, for the Rampant Rundown, we decided to do it as a socio-political podcast, um, which is, is really good. It's not necessarily always upbeat and cheery like we're discussing some serious topics uh, I tried to make it like a little bit funny with, with me like in the beginning and, and at the end and then we have a guest in the middle who is someone who is maybe an expert in their field or someone who um, lives that, this experience to do with the, the topic of that week um, and for me it was really just a way to sort of to talk about these things in a more in-depth way like the, the topics that we covered like HIV Scotland, um, gender recognition reform, LGBT youth Scotland, or LGBT youth people um, living in Scotland, um, and intersectional feminism, all of these topics that I talk about with my friends, and, and even though I'm not on Twitter every day necessarily banging my keyboards about them, I'm thinking about them all the time, I'm talking about them all the time. So getting to do a podcast where you're just sitting talking about something, it's like, great, that's just going to be my outlet. Um, and I think the beauty of a podcast, which you will know as well from posting um, yours as well, is like, you can do what you want. Like, you can talk about, you get to decide the format, you get to decide the episodes and what you're going to talk about and what topics you want to discuss and what guests you want to have. Um, so for me, I didn't pick topics because I thought, right, I, I want to do these. I know I should do these topics. Like, I picked them because I thought, right, I actually want to do that and connect with, with that guest. Um, and it was really good. Um, it was actually quite successful. I was quite worried in the beginning because obviously a podcast um, 
it's not visual. So I was worried that with drag, people might um, prefer to see something like YouTube content or, um, do you know what I mean? Just like sort of like visual content where you yeah. can actually see the drag aspect. But the, the podcast took off as well, which was really, really nice. Uh, we did season one, which was um, eight episodes in total uh, with a beginning and an end um, each week on a Wednesday. And after that, I decided to stop it at season one, curb it at that, and then like take a break and then bring season two out this year just to give myself a break because you will know like a podcast is a lot of work um, you don't just you don't just turn up and go like if you're the host you need to edit it you need to, all of this so I was like right I'm gonna do one season and then I'm gonna give myself a break and go into season two but it was lovely because um, I personally haven't found much of a community within the drag scene for myself um, during the pandemic mm-hmm. um, just on a personal level I'm not saying it's not there but I personally haven't been as involved with other drag artists as such or felt much of a community and so for me doing the podcast was actually a great way to feel a sense of community with other LGBTQ plus and queer people because the people that I was having on uh, were queer people themselves they were working in charities and organizations and like I would always have a a chat at the beginning and a chat at the end after, after the recording and I would always just put my laptop lid down really happy and thinking, oh my God, I've really got to speak to someone really nice today. I've got to share lots of ideas. Like, it's working with like-minded people. And for me, that was the best part of the podcast. And that's what I'm really looking forward to doing again, is just getting to chat and meet new people. I love it. It's the best part of doing drag is, for me, the social aspect. Yeah, you're so right. It's so, it's so funny, because I, doing this podcast, when I set this up, is just sort of a networking for artists to, like, come and talk about their work. Like, because I felt like in the pa- pandemic, when... It was September when I started this and I thought, oh, do you know what? Like, there needs to be a platform for artists to talk about their work, to one, keep them motivated, two, to give them the opportunity that they can share it because I knew doing funding applications for a lot of jobs that it's easy for you to write about it, but they want to see examples of work. And for me, it was a, if you link this podcast episode where you talk about your work, funders will listen and it gives you the opportunity to sell yourself. And a lot of them have really benefited. I've had one artist get a commission off of it and another artist is working with the BBC Social now because of it. And I linked the podcast we did. They loved it. I really sold myself because on applications, I don't have the ability to do that. And I was like, good, that's what this has done. This is what it's aiming to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know what you mean with that sort of sense of community because it's so difficult because with drag, you know, I would have hung about with a lot of drag artists in the nightlife, but I wouldn't have been... Like, I'm quite... I've got a lot of boundaries in place just for my own mental health that I don't like to be best pals with a lot of drag queens out of drag all the time, only because if you're working together and then you're seeing each other, it gets really difficult to then keep a working relationship in a healthy way. But I love also that I have two or three friends out of drag who are also drag artists. Yeah, of course. But Of course it's lovely as well because, like, drag is a big part of our life, so being able to talk about that with your friends who do drag, like, you get it, they understand, they know the pressure, the work, how much effort goes into like even just one monk or one face um so getting to like share that experience with your friends who do drag is fab I, I love it you're totally right and that's why like you know listening to your podcast it was so lovely I heard my friend Socks who had from LGBT youth I know star I yeah. love her <laughs> she's amazing <laughs> She's just incredible, and I worked with her for years. I worked for her in youth theatre before she worked in LGBT youth, so it's it's so lovely. And I know that both me and you were involved in the LGBT youth's digital pride stuff. Of course, yeah. 
thing. Um, we were obviously we weren't part of the, actually at the event just because obviously young people were involved. But we got to kind of submit stuff. I know that you yeah. you gave a sort of chat. You'd kind of give like yeah. I had like a brief sort of like ten minute chat, just a bit, little bit about my coming out, my story, and just being like your authentic self. I thought there would be a lot of performances and stuff. Um, and rather than just submit a mix that I had already done for another show, I thought, no, I'm just going to speak for 10 minutes, actually. I'm just going to... And, you know, I didn't even really rehearse what I was going to say. Or I, I just thought, right, I want to talk about this. I'm just going to hit the camera and go. And it happened. And I, I very rarely get anything in one take. <laughs> I'm, like, such a perfectionist. But I was like, yeah, I'm happy with that. That's really nice. When totally. Like that. I, obviously, we weren't allowed to watch the, the, the stream. Um, it was a, a virtual private network for the attendees and the youth. So I don't actually know what you submitted. What did you submit? Yeah, so I did. A, I actually submitted them, funnily enough. Uh, I don't know why, but a Spice Girls song. I did say, <laughs> song say you'll be there. But I, like at the beginning, basically, I submitted two covers I was putting on YouTube. But I gave a talk at the beginning, sort of, I'm doing a queer anthem, Spice Girls, yes. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Power, and then Unfaithful by Rihanna, which... Don't really know why I did Unfaithful by Rihanna, but I did. But it was like, you know, times are tough. Unfaithful by Rihanna, what an iconic track. <laughs> but it, it was fun. And I think that event, especially for me, was it was they asked me to do it because I used to volunteer with them years ago. And I was like, yeah, of course I can do this. They're like, oh, like, are you sure? Blah, blah, blah. We only need like one. I was like, I'll send you two. I'm putting them on YouTube, but I'll give a chat at the beginning and sort of say, I oh, hope you're all doing well and safe, blah, blah. Um, and it's, it was lovely um, to kind of be involved with that. Um, and I know what you mean. I think moments like that right now, especially that we're so taken away from the community because we're not in CCs, we're not in polo drinking a lot. We're just also not out and about as much because we're in lockdown number 69 now. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm <laughs> counting. <laughs> yeah, and it's nice to sort of come together during those moments in some sort of virtual way, which I think is lovely. Mm -hmm. um, which brings me on to my next question. So, you know, what um, sort of things have you been doing to cope the last, like, 10 months or so, like, that you wouldn't mind sharing, if uh, that's okay? Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, I think um, the pandemic has been really hard on, on everyone, like, even people who perhaps maybe keep good mental health normally. I think the pandemic has also hit everyone in different ways and really hard. And for me, I, I have always been quite an anxious person and someone who has uh, like my drive system is always like a hundred percent like I'm always super busy and always super like 100 miles an hour <laughs> like for want of a better word so for me the for me the easiest way to sort of cope was just plunge myself into other projects and mm -hmm. other other um like arty things for instance like I did a few uh, I did like a look series and stuff um at the beginning of the, the pandemic because it was quite naive and I thought oh it's only gonna last a few months you know so this will take up some time um, and then, of course, time goes on. Um, so for me, just artistic projects, um, connecting with people online. Um, the podcast was a big one for me that took up a lot of my time, a lot of my energy and a lot of effort. But I'm really glad that I did because it gave me something to do for several months. Um, I've Quite fortunately, I know everyone's different um, in lockdown and how they've been doing drag um, in lockdown. Some people have been doing it every day in loads and other people have not been doing it at all and I think there's absolutely no right or wrong way to that I think you'd need to do whatever makes you happy but for me doing drag was my main coping mechanism like um I remember when we were able to my friend and I went a walk down the beach um, and I was like I'm getting into drag tomorrow I'm filming something and I'm absolutely buzzing like I was just so looking forward to 
wanting Drago on Tuesday, it, it gave me something to look forward to. Um, and of course, because we, I did have a bit more time, I've been able to sort of develop my skills in hair. Um, my makeup's got better. I've started sewing and I've made some things. Um, so for me, it's just been saying, right, what else can I do in drag? Like, I'm always the kind of person that's like, what's the next thing? And that's my way of coping. That is keeping busy um, and sort of like balancing it out, obviously, with like the non-drag stuff, like exercise and that. But I've kind of let that go during the, the pandemic, but we're not going <laughs> to, we're not going to be too hard on me for that. Um, so I, honestly, it's so cliche, but drag has been helping me to cope and um, give me something to look forward to doing, brighten up the week, some colour, some makeup. <laughs> Honestly, like I've seen you, you're such a powerhouse. I've seen during the pandemic you really um, making all that effort and using your creativity, and it's really paying off for you. And it's it's so funny to hear you say about uh, you know we realizing at the beach where you're saying, oh, you know, tomorrow I'm getting drag, and I've got something to be excited about. Yeah. And the one that I'm mentoring, who's my new drag child, had literally said the same thing to me that when I sent them a voice note after the house liability show, saying, yeah, I'd love to take you on. Um, do some looks this week, send me some performances, we'll work out what's your like thing, let me know what you need, I can Zoom you during the week, I'm free on Thursday. And they had said to me, you know, oh, like on the Zoom call, this is the first time in months that I've actually had something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And I got quite emotional, obviously. Thinking, I just got a shiver as well when you said that, I just got a little bit of a shiver. And like... I was, and for me, it was just like, oh, I just was being nice and saying, yeah, I'll take you on as a drag child, why not? So it's so funny to then kind of go, oh, well, this gave me a purpose. And I thought, Jesus Christ, but that's what we need right now, that drive. And you're so um, especially just with the last 10 months. And it's so lovely. I just remember, um, this is a bit of a personal thing, but I just saw on uh, your Instagram, one of my favorite things you did actually do that wasn't necessarily just you you and drag was when you had done your mum in drag. Oh, yes. And that really made my heart like melt because I was like, you know, I'm an ice queen at heart. And I was like, oh, you know, that's lovely. Because my mum's often said to me, oh, I'd love it if you did me in drag for a laugh and blah, blah. And I thought to her, I said, oh, I don't know if I would do that. That's a bit weird. But actually seeing you do that, I was like, oh, I might do something like that. Because I think you see it on RuPaul's Drag Race, that challenge of get your sister parent in drag or even a partner. But I think actually seeing someone do it not on telly and just doing it for them and like it was such a lovely thing to see and that's why I'd commented me like who is this diva? <laughs> it's from her like <laughs> yeah no I think for I mean that was actually a lovely day I'm not gonna lie that was one of the best drag days that I had yeah. during the whole pandemic um, like my mum so I live at home with my mum and my dad right now and my mum um, has several medical conditions like my mum's took a stroke um, she has heart problems, she has arthritis, she has psoriasis, um, and her psoriasis has really flared up during lockdown, and she was getting, like, quite down about it, because, like, also she's not outdoors and, and different things, um, and she helps me with drag a lot, like, all the time, and I said, you know what, do you want to do something to cheer you up, and she said, oh, I don't know, I don't know, anyway, convinced her to do it, and, like, it was just the best day like, we had Donna Summer on, like, we had a glass of wine, and then we went and took some pictures downstairs, and I was like, pose, change it up, and, like, when she seen herself in the mirror, she was, like, really emotional and, like, was nearly crying, and to me, that's the power of drag, like, that is, like, the ability to make you feel good, to make other people feel good, to give, like you said, with your drag child, something to look forward to, like, do not underestimate the power of drag, because it is a 
superpower, genuinely. And it's such a cliche. You hear that on Drag Race. Like, drag's my coat of, uh, coat of armour. It's my cape. I'm a superhero. I, it literally is. Like, I'm not even joking. It is, like, the power. <laughs> oh, that honestly is so moving. And it's just so wholesome. And that's what I mean when drag can move people and change things in such different ways, which is what that had done. And that's why, you know, when I'd seen it, I was like, oh, I have to come on this. This is just so lovely. This is needed right now. <clears throat> so, Thank you. No, you're like you're welcome. It was just so lovely. Um, you know, hearing you talk about such you know inspiring things right now, like you know, um, if there are students or younger people or even people in their thirties, forties who are now wanting to kind of pursue drag or even the arts right now, you know, what kind of words of wisdom would you offer them? Because things are so tough right now. Oh my goodness, yeah, they really are. Um, well, I would say do it for you. Don't do it for anyone else. Do what makes you happy and if that is a creative art form whether that's drag or not make sure you're doing it for you um when i started drag i did it because i wanted to express my creativity i didn't want to do it to be like really well known or get like a lot of clout or to even get like followers or messages none of that it was purely for my creative outlet um and i have some uh close drag friend in Amsterdam who's like in her 40s who told me like you, you need to make sure it's fun you need to make sure you're doing it for you and it stuck with me like I am still doing drag because it's fun for me I've kept it fun for me and um, so I would say do it for you and you alone um, and then you will genuinely have more fun with it if you're wanting to start drag my advice is absolutely pick up the makeup brush and get going like absolutely anybody can do drag whether you are cis, trans, non-binary, whether you're able-bodied, whether you're disabled, anything at all, absolutely anything from any walk of life, anyone can do any drag art, whether that's as a drag queen, a drag king, a drag thing, an alien, whatever you want, do it and do it for you. Be happy with it um, and pick up the makeup brush because like I said, I was thinking about drag for a long time um, and eventually I decided the time was right for me and I went with it. There's never a wrong time. Just do it when you want. But, of course, sooner the better. If you want to do it, make it happen. And that is literally what I said to my new drag child. You know, it's you're talking about it, but let's get going. Let's get the... Yes, let's, and go. let's go. On. Let's get the performances done. You're so right. Yeah, and I think as well, like when you start drag, some you might not even be super happy with your first look. You're like, oh, that's a little bit rough. But honey, the only way is up. Like we will both know it only goes up. <laughs> I'm sorry, right? I've said this before. Anyone that is proud of their first look, I mean, kudos to them. But I had I had to submit my first ever look for this BBC oh, social wow. video, and it's <laughs> pissed with it. It was like, do you know what? We're just going to joke about this because there will be younger drag artists that see this that go, oh, well, if I don't look polished, and I'm not even saying I'm polished now, by the way, seven years doing this, but <laughs> they will go, oh, I don't know if it, I, I look good and I don't know if I, and I'm like, no, no, you can see how bad I look and then that will motivate you. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I think um, you don't need to be polished on your first chance, like uh, the, your first try. I think when you're in drag the very first time, you already feel fab. So even if you maybe don't look the best, you're going to be feeling the shit. You're going to be feeling amazing. So don't worry about not looking perfect or polished. Bugger it. It's, it's art. It's not meant to be really refined and polished. There's no limit. Go for it. I love that. One thing that's different about season two uh, compared to like sort of season one with the Afternoon Delight show is that um, we ask people 
what did 2020 teach us and what are we grateful for in 2021? And what would you say are your answers to that? Oh my goodness. Um, 2020 taught me a lot about myself. Uh, I really had to go through a personal journey um, as someone who's like struggled with anxiety for a large part of my adult life. Um, it wasn't until 2020 that, that I was actually diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder. Um, and for me, that just sort of joined up a lot of dots um, in my life that didn't make a lot of sense before. Um, so coming to terms with that, but then actively working on that for the latter part of 2020, I have started 2021 with a genuine spring in my step because I've been, I've been having some therapy and some CBT to then sort of get these tools that are going to allow me just to be the best version of myself. And I would say for anyone who perhaps doesn't, maybe doesn't have mental health problems or um, suffers with mental health, which is probably rare during the, the pandemic, like even just being able to be more comfortable in themselves with that, like speaking to someone, reaching out, getting a little bit of help. Like I'm absolutely not embarrassed to say that I did that because it's made me a much happier person. Um, and I hope that in 2021 that continues. So I'm, I'm glad for the personal journey I went on. Again, another cliche. But um, I'm hopeful that 2021, I will really be able to be even better than I was in 2020, even happier, um, and just being the best version of myself, being a healthy, fun adult. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. What is your favourite sort of thing you've done in your drag career or performance you've done so far? Oh, well, it's absolutely everything political, but um, the, it wasn't, well, it was performing, but it wasn't a lip sync as such. Um, I was, when I was in Amsterdam, I was asked by the higher education institutions of the Netherlands to represent law as a career, as a profession in drag during the Amsterdam Canal Parade. And I had a big sign that said, queer rights are human rights. Um, and we were on this big boat during Amsterdam. Um, all the boats go through the canals and there's people on either side. And I remember just feeling magical, like feeling like incredible that day, like on the boat with my sign. Um, and I remember we were going past this uh, grass bank of people sitting down and they seen me and they seen my sign and they all got up, jumped up onto the grass, started cheating um, and like started like clapping. And I was like so emotional, like I just felt so overwhelmed. And I just thought that's for me, so far, my best memory in drag, like not even like on a stage or not even anything, just being like connecting with other people and then and being like, wow, and being like shocked and happy. Um, my favorite thing that I've done, also combining law and drag, which I don't get that many opportunities to do. It's usually politics and drag or current affairs, but actually doing law and drag is a very special moment. <laughs> Amazing. I can just see it now, you in a like courtroom in drag defending someone, <laughs> law and order style, I'm here for it. That's where we're going in the future. We're going to absolutely take the transphobes down and we're going to sue them for hate speech. <laughs> that is totally it. I had joked on Twitter, like, maybe I should just run for, like, the Green Party and drag. And then people were like, I would vote for you. And um, Salmonella had said, a vote for um, Jordy is a vote for Delight. And I was like, ah, you have a slogan. You need to hire Salmonella as your campaign manager now. <laughs> uh, but I could actually see in the future something like that. I did used to joke that I'd love to do that in drag. I hate that be wild. Um, oh my god, let's start our own party, like <laughs> Drag Queens for Justice, let's do it. <laughs> I'm here, 
Oh, darling, it has honestly been like such a lovely experience chatting to you about all this sort of stuff and getting to know you. And where can people follow you on social media to give you a wee follow and see your work? Oh, well, first of all, thank you for having me, darling. I've been so happy to be here today. It's been lovely chatting with you. Like I said, I'm so looking forward to us meeting um, after the pandemic in person. We're going to have a shot at the bar. We're going to have a dance. It's going to be great. Um, but yeah, you can follow me at Lady Rampant, just how it sounds, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. <laughs> um, just look for the red hair, look for some Scotland flags, and you'll find me. <laughs> That's where I am. Oh, you've got TikTok. You're down with the kids. I don't have TikTok. I am. <laughs> I am. I mean, I'm not the best at it. The worst thing about TikTok is you can't even really put a filter on it, so you need to be looking good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, TikTok, um, that's past a few hours during lockdown. <laughs> you can't filter it. I'm definitely not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we end every episode with a, a quote that the guests like to bring. It could inspire people. It could be a quote themselves that they feel like it's a mantra for themselves. And I would love to end the episode with that quote. Absolutely. I would say to anyone listening, this is my personal motto that I use in my podcast is carve your own path, dance to your own tune and make your own magic. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic. I love that. Make magic. Make magic, whether it's in drag or not, make magic. Thank you so much for joining me, Lee Rampant. Thank you for having me, darling. Bye. For me... What really jumped in this interview that wouldn't jump normally in the drag community, I feel, although we're all activists in our own right, anyone that can get on a pair of heels and a dress and walk out the house feeling confident and boss-ass bitch deserves an applause. But I think this integration for me of bringing politics somehow into drag to inform audiences is so important. I've done that as a disabled artist and also a non-binary artist the last sort of three years, especially talking about sexual assault, which it was really funny, but this week was the anniversary of my first ever solo show, Wasted Youth, which was all about sexual assault. And I was thinking to myself, that happened, and then the BBC Nine, I went on and talked as about sexual assault in the queer community. And then a year on, I'm happily talking about it in a podcast and it just really sunk in that wow things are so much more different now than they were before but I'm glad they are and I feel like Lady Rampant has an ability and skill and mindset that hopefully she could use her drag to make political change and here I know that me and Lady Rampant are part of both uh, different parties outside of drag you know we are we openly both speak about our political beliefs on social media, but maybe we could actually start a party and try and take over the world in drag. I think that would be absolutely bloody wild. So drop me a wee DM hen when uh, the bar's open. We'll get a wee bottle of wine and we'll uh, come up with a name. But honestly, thank you so much, Lady Rampant. You're great. And I know that she wouldn't mind me sharing this, that afterwards when we'd like finished recording, she'd said to me, oh, you know, she genuinely meant that, that she'd love for us to get drinks and catch up and meet up in person. And I have every belief that when the House of Liability goes live on Friday nights at the venue we've got um, and the queer spaces, I feel like she'll definitely be at least in the second live show, if not by the third. Um, Cruella DeVille or anything that she can come up with. Her Jerry Godley mix is iconic, like I've said. So, yeah, what a great connection and relationship we've got working from this. Very excited that Although I did say in the podcast I don't have many friends actually in the drag community, apart from in drag, 
maybe there actually has been a friendship made. I think that's really great. Next up, we have got Simon from Hot Mess, EHFM DJ and Hot Mess Club Night, talking about bisexuality visibility and what it means to be polyamorous in the community. And I'm very intrigued to see what everyone thinks of this episode. But I will tell you, Simon really impressed me with this. I am very excited to share the next interview with you all on Sunday. I really am quite surprised um, in a good way because I, I never anticipated these things going. I was, I was really blown away by the intellectual stuff, but also just how introverted and shy he actually is. He's such a, a great guy. I'm really excited to share that one. But I'm dropping this one today on my birthday, so if you've been listening, happy birthday from me to myself. <laughs> birthday in a pandemic. Do you know what? I hate my birthday, so this is really fitting for me. But as always... Stay safe. Happy birthday to me, obviously. <laughs> but remember to breathe. Afternoon delight. Real people, real stories. A local podcast for local 